Hey everybody, it's Rob Shear, the host of Fostering Change. You know, today we're going to continue on our best of of season four. You know, we visited so many episodes, but this particular episode, I'm so thrilled for you guys to listen to it again. My friend Damon Davis that aired actually in December. Damon is actually the host of the podcast, Who Am I? And he's also the author of the book, who Am I? An Adopted Memoir. What an unbelievable book. You know, he opens up about the heartbreaking and grippling with his adoptive mother's mental illness, while also trying to balance the joy of locating his birth mother, who was just actually working nearby. You know, his journey took a twist when he located his biological father via DNA. This story is such an amazing story, and I can't wait for each and every one of you to listen to this again. This was a great interview that I know for a fact will move you as it moved me. And of course, if you have any comments, please make sure to email us at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now enjoy. Well, you know, it's so hard to believe that we are actually in season four. You know, I remember when we first started this podcast that someone had mentioned to me about doing a podcast and I was like, really? I was like, definitely not the podcast guy. Um, little would I know that we would be in season four. And by the way, it is one of my favorite months that we have, which is National Adoption Awareness Month. You know, this particular month happens to be the month that out of our five children, we actually adopted two of our kids kids during the the National Adoption Awareness Month. And, you know, people ask me all the time, why does this month mean so much to me? And number one, it's all about the fact of giving permanency for children, foundation building for children. And to know that a child is going to be adopted that has been floundering in a shattered foster care system is to me heartwarming. And to know that, you know, during this month, more children from foster care will be adopted than any other month is something that makes my heart smile. Well, let me tell you, my next guest, I am so, so excited about him. If you have not picked up his book, Who Am I Really? An Adopted Memoir, this is the book to get. I'm telling you, curl up by the fire. It is going to be one that you pick up, you do not put down, and you're going to see a lot of similarities when it comes to a forever family and my friend Damian Davis's book. Damian, welcome to Fostering Change. Thank you so much, Rob. It's really great to be here with you, man. I appreciate the kudos to the book. It was one of my personal projects that I absolutely loved doing, and it warms my heart to hear that you were so enamored by the story and, and you know, found like you couldn't put it down. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, let me tell you something. This, you know... I, I'm very lucky, and as you are, as someone who, who hosts a podcast, you know, you get lots of books into you, lots of authors have been on, and I have read some amazing books, and then I will tell you, I've read some books that, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, um, but I, this one, it was one of those, you know, I, I, lay, I always read at night, and and so it was one of those books that I just couldn't put down, and I I see, it's 11.30, it's a quarter to 12, it's 12 p.m., a.m., and I I know that I'm having to get up early the next morning. We got five kids. Yeah, put it down. <laughs> it was amazing. I want to start from. I want to start from the very beginning. I want our listeners and our viewers to really get a caption of what this book is all about, and and yeah. how you know, for me as a father who you know I grew up in the system, I never got adopted. I aged out, became homeless. 
you know, I was that statistic. And then to have my five children, who all five are from the, the system, and all five of them have been adopted. And by the way, several of them are teenagers right now. And so they're going through that, who am I stage? Yes. You know, my dads are white, we're black, my, where are my bio family? Why haven't they been in my life? Why haven't they, you know? And so all those questions are coming up and we're trying to have really good dialogue and communication. Tell me about, I wanna start from the beginning. When did you know you were adopted? Yeah, so I, grew up knowing that I was adopted. My parents were apparently told like, let the child know early so that they can grow up with that knowledge. And that has been sort of one of the schools of thought. There's sort of a baby scoop era thought that you don't tell the child anything and you just let this child be a blank slate. You mold them into what they're going to be. And I think you and I can tell anybody that that's just not how life works. People are born with certain traits certain likes and dislikes. They're born with certain, you know, physical capabilities or in inabilities, et cetera. I mean, we just are just different by virtue of how we're born. I was of the second school, which is I was told that I was adopted at a very early age. And to be honest with you, I was somewhat lucky in that because growing up with that knowledge is very empowering for one thing, but also I looked like my family. My mom was light skinned. My dad was dark skinned and I was in the middle so we kind of looked like we could have been family, which made it much more native to be a nuclear family together. Whereas, as you've alluded to with your family, you've got children of color, white dads, like, and as one of my guests on the podcast told me, you know, she hated that she loved her parents. She hated that she had to live her adoption in public because yeah. everywhere she went, it was obvious that they were brought together by adoption. And she said that was a very private thing that I wanted to to live privately, but I couldn't, I lived it publicly. But yeah, it's I, really hard for kids, by the way. I mean, I, you know, and, you know, my kids arrived, you know, six months, two, two, four, and then our oldest son arrived at the age of 18. And so our kids, you know, from the very beginning have known that they were adopted. They, we, we, they look, look at their dad, but my youngest son, who is, was six months old when he arrived in our home, him and his biological brother, he was about three years old. And we always talked about the adoption. And by the way, we adopted our children in closed adoptions, but we always kept the front door open. And okay. so what we, we always told the birth parents is life is about choices. Make good choices, come and enjoy the richness of these beautiful, beautiful humans. And my son was about three years old. And he says um, to my husband, he says, you know, you adopted Sissy and Grayson and Mackay. He says, but I'm not adopted. My husband looked at him and said, yep, Bubby, you're adopted, you know, too. And he says, but I look just like you. And that's what he says to my husband, because my son was a very light skin. And so he just grew up at six months just thinking, well, the other kids were adopted because they were darker skin, but, you know, having, but we started at a very young age, having that dialogue, understanding that what is, what is your, you know, what I call it, your, your family portrait, you know, and your family portrait is not the shears. It is so many other people. It's yeah. so people. So, so how did you explain it to Seth? And by the way, everybody, Seth is, is Damien and his wife's son. Um, yeah. How did you explain it to Seth? You know, uh, I was very clear with him. You know, the honesty that I received as an adoptee was something that I felt was very valuable to continue with my son. And so I explained to him that I had two moms, that there was the mom that you met once as a baby who raised me, 
and that there's a mom who gave birth to me but wasn't able to take care of me and sort of tried to help him understand that. And I did it in age-appropriate ways at the right time when he asked and and when I needed to because, you know, during my reunion, my reunion was sparked by his birth, among other things. You know, here we are with this child that – Frankly, we had attempted to conceive through IVF and other things, and we had had some pretty emotional and very physically challenging failures. And uh, fortunately, he was conceived naturally. And then, you know, so this naturally born child, conceived child, is born through a C-section, which is a dramatic experience unto itself. And now here I am, this adopted person. I've never known any other biological relative on my entire family. And this baby is in front of me. And it was in completely inspiring to just realize, like, I don't have a branch back to my family tree, but I've started a leaf on my own branch of this family tree. And that was incredibly empowering for me. And so when I started to go on this journey to try to find my biological mother, it was in that journey that I realized I'm going to have to explain to him what I'm doing, where I'm going, who I'm visiting, who this person is I'm bringing to our house that is going to meet him for the first time when he was a toddler. There was all of this, this stuff that I had to confront in order to get him to understand, to get my wife to understand the kinds of things I was feeling, what I was going through, so that they could be with me on the journey. It was really, really interesting stuff. You know, I think the journey is something that most people don't realize. You know, for me, just like you, I did the DNA ancestry because growing up in this, I didn't, I didn't know any of my siblings really because I'd been in the system and I, you know, I had a sister that I was really close to, but, you know, she grew up as well in a separate home. And, you know, and when I did that DNA ancestry and I found so many other siblings that were out there and I'm the youngest of 10. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And, you know, cousins coming out of the woodwork and all of that. And you did the DNA ancestry. And so it's actually how you found Seth's pops. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So to give a little bit of backstory, you know, when I found my biological mother, she told me very clearly, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything you want. And I was very grateful for that because the first question I was going to ask is, who's my biological father? Right. I now were you, have you. Were, were you were you angry? Did you go walk into this whatsoever no. with any type of, you know, why did you give me? So you had such an amazing adopted life that you weren't feeling that need to fill your cup. You just wanted to to make your cup bigger and find out. I wanted you. understanding. Right. I think I, you're right. I was lucky in that way that I didn't need to find answers. I felt very fulfilled. And and I think that's something that a lot of adopted people struggle with is that if they have, I've loosely termed it, an awful adoption, there can be an amazing reunion. You can have an amazing adoption and an awful reunion, and there's all kinds of variety in between. I had a very good adoption. I was, you know, well-loved. You know, I like I said, I looked like my folks. We were coincidentally all Libras. We were all born in October. So like- I'm a Libra too, buddy. Are you? <laughs> this one, bro. So what ended up happening was I found my biological mother and we had this amazing reunion where I was able to locate her. I was working for the Obama administration. I had taken a job at Department of Health and Human Services, and I ended up finding her two blocks away from me in D.C. at the Department of Transportation. It was unbelievable. And again, she told me that she was an open book, that she would tell me anything. And knowing that a child comes from two people. I was thankful to know her, but I was really interested to know who this other person was too. Again, I didn't need to fill any 
void. It was just this major curiosity of knowing how biology works and trying to figure out who this other person could be. And an interesting twist, she shared with me who my biological father was, and it turned out it was not him. He ends up, we correspond back and forth a little bit. And in chatting with him, I realized I have no rapport with this guy whatsoever. I had an instantaneous rapport with my biological mother, and I had no rapport with this other guy. Like we just didn't connect at all. And I started to let the relationship die when one day he sends me a letter and he was like, Mr. Davis, I'm sorry, but I am, I'm not the guy. And I was like, how does he know one? And like, screw you for not wanting to know me. I'm a pretty awesome yeah. person. You know what I mean? Yeah. I went through a little bit of hurt at that time. But interestingly, my mother-in-law who lives here in Southern California is also adopted. And her youngest daughter, Stephanie, my wife's youngest sister, one of her younger sisters, was really curious about her mother's adoption. And she wanted to do ancestry and learn more about their biological family and all of this stuff. And they discovered all these amazing things. They didn't realize that uh, my mother-in-law is part Jewish and some other sort of heredity and uh, cultural things about her. And I did my ancestry DNA for only for purposes of contributing my DNA to the pool so we could understand more about my son, Seth, in the middle, right? My wife had DNA contribution. I had DNA contribution. I wanted to learn more about him. I didn't do it to try to find my biological father. But one day I'm sitting online. I'm looking at all of my you know, results for Michelle, my wife, Seth, my son. And I'm seeing some really, really interesting things. And I said, let me go look at my ancestry DNA and see what it says about me in these spaces. And lo and behold, there's two biological relatives there. And of course, I've already told you the only one that I know is my son, Seth. So who is this other person? And as I'm looking at it, it says it gives two initials for who the person is. And they're not the initials that my birth mother, Anne, had given me as my biological father's identity. And then I drill into the data and it starts to talk about, you may be familiar with Ancestry. It tells you yeah. your sense organs, your level of relation to a person. I have more centum organs in common with this other guy than I have with my own biological son who I know. So I'm trying to figure out who is this other dude. I end up connecting with this guy and I find out that he was my biological father and my biological mother, Anne, had no idea that it was him. She went to her grave not knowing that my biological father was this other guy, Bill. And he was amazing. He's been so receptive. I had a great conversation with him on the phone the other day. We re reminisced over our first couple of conversations and our reunion. And he said to me more than once, he said, you know, Damon, sometimes you just get lucky. You do. And that is absolutely right. It's really been unbelievable. You do. You really do. Listen, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. Again, the book is Who Am I Really? An adoptee memoir. Damon Davis, you've got to go listen to his podcast. I'm telling you, adoption stories, they are gripping. They are. And as, as Damon said, you know, there are there are good adoptions and there are bad adoptions. There are good reunifications and there are bad reunifications. And it's all how we set our mindset. So listen, I'm telling you right now, it's a great month. We love this month, but this is a great book. We'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. 
For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, Comfort Cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit comfortcases.org. You know, I say this every single season, season four, and here we go again, having great conversations. You know, the fact is, is I truly do believe that we educate each other by having good conversations. Not all of us have to agree. Not all of us have to realize that, you know, you're not right. I'm not right. Where you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. But what we do is we broaden so much by talking, by talking and by learning about each other's life experiences life experiences. And as I said before, this book truly, truly has done that for me. You know, there are so many things, you know, your adopted dad, Willie, you know, by the way, his birthday was the day before my birthday. Oh, is that right? October 17th. That's awesome. I was like, this is just too candy. <laughs> and in, so when I lived in DC, when I first moved to DC and I was in my mid twenties, bought my first home over in Mount Vernon, there was a gentleman that lived across the alleyway from me. And he was a gentleman of color and he lived by himself and he would always come out and he'd clean his car and I'd always speak to him and he would never speak to me. And finally, one day I walked up to him and I said, you know, I say hi to you every day. And you know, and he's like, you know, last thing I need is you say all of I am. I don't need any friends. And that became a friendship. And Roger, who had lived in the city for, you know, at that point, 70 years, became my pops. And um, when I moved out of the city, I took him with me. But it reminded me of Willie so, so much. But then all of a sudden, you're in L.A. and your wife had already flown out. You're there with Seth and you get the phone call. Yeah. Now, that the the man who has raised you, who you know loved you unconditionally, has passed away, and you had to tell Seth, I, I really want you to take me to that moment. Yeah, that was a real tough one. So, you know, to give a little bit of backstory, Willie was this amazing, magnetic, gregarious, joyful, happy person. I mean, he was the kind of guy that just didn't want anybody to be unhappy. And, and if you were... He was going to listen to why, and then he was going to try to help you get out of it. Realize this is a great life. We've got a lot of great stuff happening in this life, and you can't stay in this moment, right, of being feeling bad for yourself. So he's the kind of person that you really wanted in your life because he was so uplifting and energetic. And so this is the guy that I grew up with as my dad. Like you talk about lucky adoptions. This is how my adoption was very fortunate for me is that I got to grow up with a guy who was sort of a local hero. And, you know, I bonded with him quite a bit and he bonded with my son. So as a little bit of additional backstory, my adopted mom suffered mental illness and she was not able to be part of my son Seth's life. She just couldn't bring herself to do it. And I don't fault her personally for that. That's something that the mental illness robbed her of. But my dad was very fortunate because he lived practically next door to us. And so there would be days when I would come home. And his, you know, bright red Mercedes Benz is sitting in my driveway. And I knew that my dad was there visiting my son. And he wasn't like, it didn't even matter if I was coming home or not. He was going to see his grandfather. And they got very close. You know, my dad loved my son, Seth, very much. And Seth loved my dad, too. 
And so we're in LA and we're traveling for my wife's work. She's in the music industry. And it so happened that she was traveling back without us. And she was traveling back with her colleagues and she left me and my son, Seth, to be at the hotel. We were going to swim one final time. I was going to get him some In-N-Out Burger. I was going to take him to LAX and he and I are going to fly back to DC together. And I went to check the time on my phone. I see that I have a missed call and it's from one of my father's friends who never calls me. And that's when I knew something was wrong. And I was sitting there. I called Mike back. And I said, what's up? And he says, Damon, I'm here for you, man. Anything you need. And I said, Mike, is there something you need to tell me? And he thought that I had known. A lot of his peers and my friends found out on Facebook accidentally that my father had passed away. And it was really heartbreaking because I left D.C. not knowing that the last time I would see my father was that last time I had seen him. I just dropped dead while we were away. And I looked over at the pool and I saw my son over there and I was like, I got to go tell that little guy that his pops is gone. And it was really tough. I flew back. I got him out of the pool. I managed to keep myself together. I didn't even lose it as much as I'm losing it right now, honestly. Took him in and out. We got in the cab. And I was just in another place. I was looking out the window and I was just like, man, it's crazy. And, you know, Seth took it pretty well. Kids are resilient. They are. And, you know, of course, he was in the pool. So he said, Dad, can I go swim? (laughs) Which is what you would want him to do, right? Not burden himself with the weight of what was happening. And, of course, as a child, he couldn't have fully understood it. And I didn't do what I'm doing now. I didn't let myself go. I had a long way to go to get back to D.C. with him. I was able to hold my emotions together. So he probably didn't truly recognize the gravity of what I was telling him. But, you know, in the coming days, we made plans for his, you know, final remembrance. We got him interred, his ashes at Arlington National Cemetery. And there's this great moment where the military folds the flag over top of the urn. And they presented it to me. I handed it off. And later we walk over to the memorial wall where his ashes will be placed inside the columbarium and they will screw on the marble plate that will eventually have his name, birth date, date of death, branch of military, etc. And I turn and I look down at my side. And my son, who's about four, is holding the American flag that was a signal of his grandfather's service to this country. And it's just the cutest little scene. Someone got a picture of it. It was, it was really amazing. Um, But this is, this is the challenge of what we face in terms of our families growing, getting old and things like that. And part of the challenge of reunion is now I have to face this twice in two sets of parents. So, Sorry for the lawnmower. Quite literally at this moment, my adoptive mother 
is in hospice care. I made the decision to put her in hospice care last week. I lost my adoptive father years ago. I lost my biological mother years ago. And my biological father is 90 plus years old, 90 years old right now. So we're in a position of, you know, having to deal with all of the life traumas and like the cycles of life that happen on a regular basis, but in multiplicity, my family has grown tremendously in reunion. I've got more biological family than I had adopted family and, you know, tons and tons of cousins and aunts and uncles. It's crazy. And so now, you know, the expansion of emotion, love for people, acceptance from people, but also the loss that is inevitable. The loss. loss. And you know what? The thing is, is the the chapter that I had actually um, had bookmarked was Willie. It was that chapter that, you know, the first night I read it, I did exactly what you just did, you know, because it brings back just a whole throw of emotions. Listen, it's exactly why you do this podcast. I mean, the fact that you've been doing this podcast now for 10 years, you know, who am I really? Um, That is so... I can't even imagine. Let me tell you, you know, we're in our fourth season. You know, I hope that our podcast has made a difference and a spark or, you know, educated people. But you truly are allowing people to tell their story when it comes to being adoptees or people who, you know, somebody who is adopted or a birth mother, as you said. Tell me how that feeling of rush gets, you know, when when you're doing one of these episodes. And by the way, everybody, I am going to be on his podcast. Um, I hope you go and show him all the love that you show fostering change all the time because this is definitely on my podcast list and it's a great podcast to definitely tune into so damon where do you how do you feel about that rush you get when you have that guest on yeah you know it's a it's a funny thing because you know as a as a person of foster care you are most qualified to speak to other people who are related to fostering and adoption and so too am i and several other people and what i find happens is Adopted people don't get the opportunity to share their entire story on a regular basis, and often they haven't shared it at all. And so what ends up happening is we tell the elevator pitch version of our story is what I find. I was adopted. I reunited with my mom, and I ended up finding my biological father through DNA testing. That leaves out an entire array of emotions and experiences that you can't get a feel for if I've just met you at a cocktail party, at the office, whatever, and I share that little bit. So I started the podcast again because I recognized that people were having these experiences that were unlike my own, and I wanted them to have the opportunity to say share their whole story because it has multiple components. What is your experience in adoption? Was it positive or negative? To be very sort of loose about this. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the journey to try to find your biological family. Was it you who looked for them? Did you do DNA testing? Was it investigative? What have you? Some people will tell me they were found. Their biological parents reached out and located them. And then there's, how did your reunion go? Some people will say, it was amazing. I looked in their face and I saw my face. I felt their heart. We have similar, you know, interests. All of these things. We're we're similar in height, stature, what have you. Like all of these connections. And some people will say things like, it was awful. They were mean. They said they don't want to know me. They or and there's pieces in the middle, too, of they say they want to know me, but they've been stringing me along for days, weeks, months saying I'm going to introduce you to my other kids. I'm going to tell my wife about you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it never happens. 
and the person who the adopted person who has been on this journey to find this person and connect with them is left at the finding piece and the connection is left out because they've not been invited into their life. And the adopted person doesn't listen. We didn't ask to be here. So it's not our fault that we're interested in trying to make a connection back to you, our biology. And in 99% of the guests that I talk to will say, I didn't really want anything. I just kind of wanted to know them. I wanted to see who I look like, hear some of the family stories. I'm not looking for money. And quite frankly, we're legally not allowed to get any money because we have legally been written out of the family. So you have nothing to lose except for, you know, you have nothing to lose. Nothing, nothing. I have, I have everything that you just experienced with having five children, all adopted. I have experienced something with each and every one of them like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had birth parents who have strung a child along, you know, and all they did was just want to know, you know, know them. And then all of a sudden just fall off the face of the earth and not call them again. I mean, it's, I, let me tell you, adoption is more complicated, everyone, than you all think it is. Okay. And it's complicated for everyone that is involved and that is touched by adoption. And I'm telling you, who am I really podcast.com? Listen, maybe you're not adopted. Maybe, you know, like my husband, I mean, he grew up in Kansas and, and his, what his parents have been married 54 years, you know? And so, but he's interested about adoption because we have adopted children, or maybe you're just interested because the fact is, is that I truly do believe that if you broaden your mind, we broaden our future. And this is the book to do it. Who am I really? Listen, Damien, you and I could go on and on and on, but I want to tell you so, so much. Thank you for taking time out. You know, I have to tell you something as we end this. You're a DMV guy, just like me. You know, those who are those who live in the DMV, you know what that means. We're DC, Maryland, Virginia. We we call all of that place our home. And you know, and what the one thing for me is, you know, when I read your book, I couldn't believe that you were so close and we had never connected, you know, all this time. And so I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for being a role model for my children, you know, because I will tell you, I have already had my oldest son read this book because he came to us at the age of 18. And, you know, you want to talk about, you know, wanting to know your parents. It's like, you know, and who am I? And, you know, this book has opened up so many things for the Sheer family. And I just want to thank that, my friend. I'm really glad to hear that. I want to say one other quick thing before we close. You know, I want to underscore what you said. There is a lot of value to a lot of people across the spectrum listening to the podcast. One, the lay public who have not adopted, are not adopted, and will not adopt have a misperception of what adoption and fostering are. And they need to hear from us what it really is. They get glimpses of it in things like the TV show, This Is Us, but not like hearing people that could be their neighbors actually expressing their true emotions. The other thing that happens on the podcast, as I've said, is the adopted person gets to open up and express things in a way that they've never expressed it before. And what that offers is an opportunity for folks like their own family to hear their story hear their emotions, hear them explain why they feel the way that they do. And it invites them to understand the adopted person in their family. And then finally, there's biological mothers, adoptive parents, biological fathers and adoptive, whatever, siblings who are listening and they're getting something from understanding what adoptees are going through. So 
I'm thankful to be part of this podcast community because it's bringing forth stories from people who don't necessarily get to share them. And they're stories that have been hidden and assumed to be a certain kind of narrative. And we're trying to break that narrative by letting these stories come out. And they're stories from across the country and around the world, people of varying colors and you know, um, cultures, sexuality, different countries, right. you name it. It's every array of, of experiences that I'm trying to bring on. And I'm looking forward to hearing your story when you come on, Rob. Well, I thank you, my friend. And listen, I do believe that, you know, you need to always tell your story and know your neighbor's story because it truly helps you understand exactly where they're coming from. Listen, season four, it is National Adoption Awareness Month. Make yourself aware. Make yourself aware. All families are built in different ways, you know, and educate yourself. Let me tell you something, Damon, this is not going to be the last time you and I talk. Even though I'm going to be on your podcast, I need you back because we have so many other topics we can talk about. I just know I feel like I have a new friend. And listen, everybody, whether you're listening to us on Google or Spotify or Apple, or maybe you subscribe to our YouTube channel, I just want to say thank you. Thank you again for moving us up that ladder, for continuing to educate yourself. But do me a favor. I always have an ask every single week. My ask is buy this book. Buy this book. Who am I really? I'm telling you the reason why I want you to buy the book. I don't want you to buy the book because, you know, let me tell you something. Take it from an author. We bake this much, okay? And I'm literally talking this much. Um, I'm telling you to buy this book because it is truly going to inspire you to open your eyes and realize how families truly are. And what I found in this book, and I have one word to end this with, unconditional love. Thank you. That's Until next time, this is another episode. Thank you, Damien. Have a great, amazing, beautiful weather day. Take care. Bye, guys. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.